Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, before the show starts, I just wanted to get some quick house cleaning things out of the way because I wasn't able to do it within the actual episode. Uh, This episode runs about an hour and 20 minutes. The first part will feature Tommy. Uh, The second part will feature our good friend Mike Wing. In the effort of keeping this show going, we would like to ask for your support to please rate and review us five stars on iTunes to please follow us on Twitter, at LakersLegacyPod. And also, if you're so inclined to also help us out financially in any small way via patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast. And we would really appreciate just the support back. And if you can't do any of these things, or you just don't feel like doing it, it's fine. The least you can do is also just, you know, like, share, or retweet the actual episode drop tweets that we put out there once our episodes air. Even a Reddit upvote whenever I share these episodes on Reddit helps out a lot. So so yeah, support in any of these small ways helps us out more than you know, and we really appreciate it. And of course, we really appreciate those who have already rated and reviewed us on iTunes, and especially those who are patrons. Um, we honestly can't keep the show going without you. So thanks, everybody. And now I'll swing it to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> There is a mural of the two of you outside in this rec center we're sitting in. So I guess this is real. What does it feel like knowing, okay, y'all are Clippers now, together, here? It feels great. Um, I think seeing that kind of solidified it. Um, Open that chapter of of this new uh, journey that we're going on. Still kind of surreal. Um, You know, just able to have Paul on my team and even just being back home and playing. Um, you know, it's just it's a great experience. Uh, it's probably going to be my, my first time playing with a, you know, elite player on his level. Were you Very disappointed exciting. that Kawhi signed with the Clippers, or are you excited about the challenge of having that intercity rivalry? Um, I'm never disappointed for another man. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're a grown man. Obviously, us having him would, would definitely, you know, it would have been good, yeah, for yeah, the team, was, right? Yeah. You yeah. could have marked it up as champions right there. But yeah. Um the the Staples Center is gonna, gonna be a lot of fun this year. You know, it is gonna be a lot of teams. fun. Um yeah. obviously, you know, we brought a lot of excitement back to, to the Lakers organization where where we're supposed to be, uh, what all the fans are used to. So that's gonna be fun. And every night going into the Staples, you know, especially against the Clippers, is gonna be a, gonna be a battle. So we're going, it is we're excited yeah. about it. Well we're excited to have you here. One All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where tonight, oh me oh my, meets Jello's Jiggling, what it do baby, meets Taco Tuesday, (laughs) what it do baby, (laughs) hashtag unfinished business meets that's all folks, Clippers, Lakers, Claw versus King, Dwight versus Zubats. Tommy, you got any other LAC, LAL, head-to-head monikers to throw hashtag LARWay? Um, 
Mo Harkless, Kyle Kuzma. Nice. <laughs> uh, Tommy, the Clippers over the last 20 years of our existence, I think the word to describe how we felt about them is probably ambivalent. But yes, what <laughs> what's changed? I mean, we know what's changed in the last year, but uh, is it is it really just the circumstances with which the Clippers acquired Kawhi Leonard and Paul George that has brought up this this new hatred in you for the Clippers, even though it, it might not necessarily even be about the organization as a whole. Although, I don't know, maybe you did hate the Chris Paul Lob City Blake Griffin era too. The Clippers are a joke franchise to me. Okay, look, I, I acknowledge that things have changed dramatically there since Ballmer took over. I have all the respect in the world for that guy. Famously, he was the speaker at my graduation um, when I graduated mm. at USC. He is a complete lunatic, but he clearly knows how to run a business. And I think it's been proven time and time again in the modern NBA that if you want to win, you have to run the team like a business. And most people's criticisms of our franchise is that it's not run like a business. It's run like a 1960s old boys club, you know? So <laughs> I, I respect them from that perspective. I do not respect that because they are such a little like insignificant blip that they get away with a lot of nonsense that other teams just don't get away with. I, I mean, like, I, I don't have a citation for this, so I apologize in advance if I'm wrong and don't hold me accountable for this statement. But I'm pretty sure, I mean, it's no s secret that they were pursuing Kawhi Leonard, like, aggressively, right? Like, Doc Rivers, I think, got fined once or twice, or the Clippers, Doc Rivers at least got fined once, and I don't know if their organization got fined a separate time for making comments publicly about Kawhi throughout the season. Um, I read somewhere that, and again, this is what I'm saying, don't hold me accountable, but the Clippers had staff following Kawhi at like every game, like with the Raptors, yeah. under the guise of like, we're scouting, this is player scouting, but it's like, that sends a message, right? Like this is, now we're getting into minor, like the Lakers get, it's like the Lakers get these extra interpretations of the rules that are like extra critically applied to them. How are, how are the Clippers getting away with something <laughs> like that? Like that is completely absurd to, to suggest that like, oh yeah, they need to be, send two staffers to every single game Kawhi plays over an entire season to scout him because otherwise they would have no way to do it. Like that's absurd. But the real icing on the cake or the straw that broke the camel's back for me was the way that Kawhi handled this situation. I know you have your thing with Paul George and I think he's a clown too, but Kawhi led a team that has two superstars and made significant efforts to get in a position to add him as well. Strung us along as the backup option, despite the fact that we were playing everything, you know, straight, keeping our head above the water, not getting involved in any, like, shady activities. And so we didn't know that, in fact, he was the one being shady mm -hmm. <laughs> and was, like, stringing us along and telling the Clippers that the second you get a star, I'm stalling for you to get a star. Get Paul George. If you get Paul George, I'm signing immediately. And that's exactly what he did. That is like so many people in NBA history. Could you imagine if LeBron did that? If like, uh, if, if Kobe did that? I mean, like if, if anybody did that in their prime, they would get blasted. But yeah, this yeah. guy is Kawhi Leonard. He's going to the Clippers. It gets kind of cast aside. Um, my overall opinion of the Clippers has been summed up very nicely by our boy Ice Cube. He said today, and I agree with every word in this statement, 
The Clippers are like your cousin who moves in and starts thinking it, and starts thinking it's his house because he's been there for so long. I think they should move the team. We didn't ask them to come here. He says <laughs> the Clippers should just move because it's never going to happen for them here. They may have a blip on the radar every now and then, but it's never going to be their city. They should just get out. I don't know that I necessarily think they need to get out. But I do think that as a franchise, it's it's laughable to me that they are so they become so arrogant so quickly without winning anything. Like, okay, you've been better than a bottom feeding team that was a bottom feeding feeding team for the last six years or whatever. The Clippers mm-hmm. were a joke franchise for multiple decades. I mean, our entire lives growing up until like the last you know uh, since like 2012 or whatever, the Clippers have been a complete joke. Things change quickly in the NBA and karma. I'm confident will come back to bite them, but I can't hate on the way their franchise is run necessarily because I think they're doing a lot of things right. But the arrogance that they are are making, you know, they're like doing things with, I, I can't really stand it. Uh huh. Ha. Ha. Right. Ha. Hey, by the way, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen this before, but Snoop Dogg also had his own list of where the Clippers rank in the hierarchy of L.A. basketball. Number one, the Lakers. Number two, UCLA basketball. Number three, the Los Angeles Sparks. Number four, USC basketball. Number five, the Westchester Comets. Number six, all Drew League teams. Number seven, <laughs> number seven, YMCA Junior Lakers. Number eight, the pickup teams at Venice Beach. Number nine, the Clippers. So that, wow. that's pretty hilarious list. Um, but it's like if you go to a Clippers game, I don't care how good they are in any given season, but if you go to a Clippers game, it's like you see what he's talking about. You know what I mean? I went to that Lob City that first year that everybody was so hyped, um, and I get the things have changed significantly since then. And now they put together a legit contender, and nobody really viewed Lob City as a legit contender. Um but, you know, you would hear all the time, like, oh, the Clippers, they've had, they've sold out every game this year. You know, this is their 56 consecutive sellout. You go to Staples Center and it's like two thirds of the, or like a third of the arena at least is mm-hmm. empty. Um, I don't care that they're selling out the tickets. That's like unremarkable to me. You know, it's like, it's who shows up, who are actual real fans. And my experience is that. The only people who are Clippers fans in Los Angeles are either A, transplants from other cities, or B, hipster contrarians who just like to be dicks about, like, Ooh. you know, their sports affiliations. Nice. Harsh words by Tommy Alexander. And with respect to tonight's guest, who he is a huge longtime Clippers fan, we're going to try and ease out from the uh, the Clippers slander. But to be honest with you, tonight's guest, uh, we've got... Mike Wang of Baron Davis, It's Time to Come Home, and Lakers Legacy Season 1 intro music fame. We've got him on oh. to speak on behalf of the Clippers as one of the ultimate lifelong Clippers fans that I know. So he not only created a viral video and song for, for the team, but also worked in sales for the Clippers. So we're glad to gain his insight in just how things have changed dramatically. He was there through the drudges of... Darius Miles, Q Rich, although I really, I, that's probably my mo- most favorite Clippers era. Nevertheless, Mike Wang was also, he also played on the Apache, the Arcadia High School Apache basketball team when he was uh, at AHS. And with that, his basketball team probably ranks above the Clippers in terms of, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of where the Clippers rank in the hierarchy of LA basketball. But with that said, we've got Mike on this show tonight to, uh, yeah, just talk about how he feels about the Clippers and how their fortunes have sort of 
taken an uptick. I will say, though, that in the last decade, the Clippers have been objectively better than the Lakers, right? You can't argue that. Yeah. Well, last decade, it might be strong because we won two championships in the, in the last decade. That's true. Okay, maybe let's say the last nine years or so, right? But even with that said, where has that really gotten them is my big question. The Lakers have had more of the headlines anyways. But to close this intro segment out, Tommy, I just wanted to ask you on a, on a basketball sense, we know that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are probably one of the top duos in the league right alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It cannot be disputed that the Clippers have a stacked team this year. But on a basketball level, how do you think this Lakers team stacks up? Now that we lost to Marcus Cousins, we've got Dwight Howard in, sort of changes the complexion of this team. We did used to have a very, we did have the advantage in terms of playmaking, but the DeMarcus Cousins hit kind of pegs us down a little bit. But even with all that said, how do you think the Lakers duo stacks up against the Clippers duo? And then overall, as a team, do you still like our chances against the Clippers? And I'll tee things up for you a little bit because we have talked about this in the past, but the biggest strength of the Clippers is their perimeter defense, right? They got Patrick Beverly, they've got Paul George, they got Kawhi Leonard. Harkless actually isn't bad. And Har- Harkless isn't bad either. They got Montrezl Harrell, although I've heard that his defense is overrated. Not, yeah, yeah. But with all that said, I actually think that because the Lakers don't have very many primary creators in the terms of a guy like Kyrie Irving or even a guy like Isaiah Thomas, and they've mostly got guys who can sort of handle the ball and outside of Rajon Rondo and LeBron James, guys who are sort of ball handlers by committee, that because of that, it's sort of mutes the Clippers' strength with regards to their perimeter defense. Because who, how how are Paul George or Kawhi Leonard going to take advantage of that when they're really having to guard Danny Green and Avery Bradley at the end of the day and they have to stick to the perimeter? Obviously, that's going to affect LeBron James because they can stick Kawhi or Paul George on him. But outside of that, I feel like one of the Lakers' weaknesses kind of helps mute one of the Clippers' biggest strengths. But with that said, what are your thoughts on how they match up? No, I think you summarized it very well. Frankly, there are other teams. I mean, the Clippers are going to be a top team in the West. Um, Obviously, just like with us, they have a more proven coaching staff. But just like with us, a lot of it is going to come down to how well can this coaching staff bring everything together. I do think it's a little bit there. A lot of people in the media have framed what the Clippers have done is like brought back literally the exact same team and then added Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And that's not what happened. What took them to, you know, the uh, heights they were able to reach last year is something that is not necessarily there this year. And by that, I mean desperation. I mean, you had a team of like exclusively NBA veterans and then Shea Gilgis Alexander. But, you know, in a 10-man rotation, you had one rookie and everybody else, I'm not talking about like two-year, three-year, like solid NBA veterans who were playing for their lives, you know, and playing really hard. And they all bought into this no-star concept. That circumstance has now changed. But getting more specifically into what you were talking about, the Clippers have very, very good perimeter defense, but we don't have Steph Curry. We don't have Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, like those types of guys. Pat Beverly is almost effectively useless against us, right? Like he's still Pat Beverly. He's still going to annoy the hell out of everybody and try to injure our players, but he, (laughs) but he is his, the reason they're paying for him $14 million, you know, 13, $14 million a year 
is to shut those tight that caliber of player down, and we don't have that caliber of player on our team. So mm-hmm. yeah, he can hit you a corner three or whatever, but he is not known for his offense. You know, most of that fourteen million dollar value you're paying for is supposed to come on the defensive side, and. Who is he going to put you? Okay. Yeah. Great. Stick him on Avery Bradley. That's really going to change our lives. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like you have characterized it. It's, it's uh lucky for us in a way in terms of this precise matchup that we don't really have anyone that's going to be that hurt by him. I mean, you say Paul George and Kawhi on LeBron. And I think that's like a very fair, uh, a very fair thing to say, but LeBron is a top five player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And frankly, Paul George, I mean, can he slow him down? Certainly a little bit, but LeBron is going to overpower him. I mean, frankly, LeBron is going to overpower Kawhi Leonard. Both of those guys can slow him down. Neither of those guys can shut him down. Um, and good luck having your two best players, you know, have to chase this dude around like, you know, for, for 40 minutes on a playoff series, a game, like, and then go on the other side and score as well. Um, you, are not hoping that, you know, if you're the Clippers and those are the only two players you have who can generate any offense, um, at least in the starting lineup, like that you don't have to burn their energy doing stuff like that. And, you know, to the extent one of Paul George and Kawhi is not guarding LeBron at any given time, same thing. Yeah. We'll have Kyle Kuzma out there and maybe one of them could check him a little bit, but we are really a like a two man team with a third pretty good player and then a bunch of really solid role players and given how our roster is made up we're going to pound um the clippers in the paint um i know we lost demarcus but you know people like to talk about montrez and he's great i'm not going to draw a direct comparison to him and dwight but dwight is a better rebounder you know montrez is probably a better offensive player I can, I don't know that they cancel each other out equally, but it's like they, it's not like we don't have a player that in no way gives us any type of impact in any way similar to that, right? It's like we, right. we have something approaching that. And if you want six, eight, you know, six, nine Montrez Harrell and Zubots to match up against JaVale, AD and Dwight in the playoffs, by all means, go ahead. I, you know, yep. I'm sure the Clippers will sign some additional help before that we get to that point, but. I think we destroy them in certain categories and the way that the ways that they would theoretically be a matchup, a bad matchup for most NBA teams, particularly, for example, like the Warriors. I think the Clippers are a very bad matchup for the Warriors. Um, uh, but they would, or like even the, uh, Blazers, but those types of things don't hurt us. I'm actually more worried about teams like the Blazers or, uh, you know, not, not necessarily the Warriors with Clay out, but, Teams that have very, very, very strong offensive guard play, I get more worried about that uh, sure. than anything. You know, I actually, it's funny that you say that, but Lou Will probably worries me the most <laughs> out of the Clippers team. So Dude, honestly, I feel like me too. Lou Will, and, and I think even on the offensive end, the Clippers' strengths are they have more primary initiators and primary scorers than we do, right? I'm not so much worried about the perimeter defense for all the things that we just mentioned, but when it comes to guys who can create their own shot, if things aren't going well or if plays break down, I'm scared of Lou Will, I'm scared of Paul George, I'm scared of Kawhi Leonard, right? So in that respect, we have to find guys to be able to guard those those players who are very good at getting their own shot and sometimes very efficiently so. Um, But on the other end of the spectrum, like you mentioned, they also don't have anybody who can guard 
Anthony Davis, and they have people who can slow LeBron James down, but LeBron James is still going to do LeBron James things at the end of the day. And I actually think with regards to the perimeter defense, it's I feel like Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, maybe even Mo Harkless, they're probably better defenders when they're engaged and they're locked onto somebody who sort of has the ball. You know, I feel like their right. defense will actually wane if they have to just mindlessly guard the perimeter when Anthony Davis and LeBron James are operating a high pick and roll because their eyes are just going to be glued on those two players. So how good, I'm sure they're good team defenders, but they're not at their optimal level if that's the role that they have to play on defense. Like, right. I, oh shoot, I have to get out on Danny Green. Oh shoot, Kyle Kuzma's open in the corner. Oh shoot, you know, it's like, I don't. I feel like they're not as used to doing that. Then they are, yeah. this guy, I got to shut this guy down in front of me and hone in on him, so. Yeah, and I mean, in LeBron James, we have like, it's easy to forget. I mean, not for me, but for a lot of people, it's easy to forget that we have a player right now who is like of the caliber of like when we had Kobe, right? So there's no such thing, like, just like there was no such thing as a Kobe stopper, there is no such thing as a LeBron James stopper. I mean, LeBron has played against Kawhi Leonard many times. It's not like this dude is walking out of Kawhi Leonard series with like 15 and seven averages. You know what I mean? He's still putting up his career numbers. Like, will Kawhi slow him down? Certainly, he's one of the best defenders at the wing position in the league, and he is the only person at that size approaching LeBron's strength. But all I'm saying is, like, good luck. LeBron is going to get his. They have no answer for Anthony Davis. Still don't necessarily mean that... Still don't necessarily think that means we, for sure, beat the Clippers in the seven-game series. I mean, I think so much of it, for our perspective, comes down to coaching, but... Mm -hmm. It is like uh, I, we match up theoretically on paper very well with them, in my opinion. Yep. Hashtag that's all, folks. All right. So I'm going to turn it to my interview now with Mike Wang. As you heard at the start of this episode, I threw it back to our original intro song. That's his song. He wrote and produced it, et cetera, et cetera. Will be kind of cool to just get his insights uh, growing up as a Clippers fan, what he thinks of the team now. In general, he's a huge basketball fan, so it's not just Clippers for him. So glad to have him on. As usual, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please rate and review us on iTunes, yada, yada. Uh, Tommy, thanks for joining me for this intro segment. And uh, hashtag LA your way, whatever that means. Boo. Uh. Mr. Bevan Davis, I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm just a humble Clipper fan. And it's a crazy summer right now, cause we're so afraid of losing Mr. Elton Brand. But if you come around, everything will turn around, yes sir, I believe. Tim Thomas will find his jump shot for you, where you'll deliver Chris up his ADD. And I heard they're finishing up a brand new Clippers workout facility. On behalf of LA and the Clipper Nation, Bevan, man, we gon' make Make you a king. You gon' have Mr. Ralph Lawler screaming out, Bingo! We gon' go buck wild when you don the red and blue and dunk on Andre Kirilenko. Baron Davis dropping dimes to Chris Kamen. Baron Davis dropping dimes to Chris Kamen. 2009 at Staples Center, gon' be so amazing. Did your time at the bay Now pick up that phone Talk to Elgin Bevin It's time to come on all right, so we're back. Uh, apologies for my voice in this segment. Currently fighting off a sore throat and cold, so bear with me sounding like Aquafina for much of this segment. Uh, luckily, there will be someone else talking besides me, because tonight we're pleased to have on 
one of Alan and I's good old friends from a bygone era of charismatic Christianity in our youth, the worship leader of our church at the time, actually, the former frontman of the Nehemiah Band, who earlier listeners of the Lakers Legacy podcast will remember <laughs> as being the band that ushered in our show during our season one, former Arcadia High School Apache basketball point guard, diehard and lifelong Clippers fan, the singer-songwriter to the YouTube viral cult hit Baron Davis, It's Time to Come Home, once a Clippers sales employee himself, now turned pastor living in Houston, Texas, he once beat my ass in 2K primarily off the back of Luke Babbitt and his sharp wit, <laughs> my former acoustic guitar teacher, fellow USC Trojan, Mr. Mike Wang. Mike, welcome to the show. What it be doing, yo? Did I do that right? And did I leave anything out from your quick bio hits? Um, man, I that was a trip down memory lane. Uh, I just want to say it is an honor to at last be on the Lakers Legacy podcast. <laughs> Um, ever since I saw that Steve Bake was one of your guests, I, uh, I felt like you guys were a real prestigious and legitimate uh, podcast, given that you can have such um, legends from the Apache basketball program. Uh, I count it a, a high privilege that me just being a lowly backup point guard that averaged about two minutes per game for the Arcadia High School Apaches. Uh, I really feel like I'm in um, rare, rarefied air that I don't mm -hmm. really deserve to be in, but thank you for having me. And Absolutely. yeah, praise God for all the charismatic fun times that we shared in the early 2000s. Yes, absolutely. Steve Bake is also part of the Charismatic Church Connection. That's so right. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a niche market that you have going here, dude. <laughs> hey, but somehow it works, right? The NBA Lakers Connection, somehow it works. Uh, fun fact, Mike and I also used to operate a blog called Omeo oh oh My The Jello's Jiglin. It was a combined Lakers times Clippers blog that offered differing slash competing perspectives about each team at the time, okay. occasionally from the other side. I think we did it briefly during the 2009-2010 years. Uh, got got some articles to pop up on True Hoop. Got that Adam Morrison high five ninja oh video to gosh. go viral. Yeah. That was me, and uh, yeah, that was a fun little side project that ultimately went nowhere till now. Yeah, yeah, maybe it'll make a comeback. I don't know, but um, I just <laughs> as you were as you were talking about Adam Morrison, I just saw flash before my eyes that NBA Live commercial in black and white. Do you remember those? Where he's when crying? Yeah. Or he doesn't cry. Coming into the league, he goes, yeah, I cried on national television. Remember that? <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> one, of, one of the greatest rookie commercials ever, man. That he was, goes, I hope I never that lose that amazing. passion. And when I get to the NBA, more people will cry. <laughs> and more people did cry. Uh, Lakers legend Adam Morrison, everybody. Uh, if you guys want to check out, I think Omi oh My the Jell is jiggling is still up for some reason. You can Google it if you want to writing from a bygone era. Uh, with that said, so the reason why I have Mike on, well, for one, this is the Battle of LA episode. But as I mentioned briefly, uh, Mike Wang is one of the biggest basketball and Clippers fans that I know slash knew. I don't know how big of a Clippers basketball fan he is now just because of, you know, adulting obligations. He's a father and a husband right now and a pastor. So that goes without saying he's a, he's a lot more busy than he was before. But even before all of these bandwagon Lob City fans started cropping up or being born, uh, before all these Clippers blogs and Clippers podcasts on Twitter, there was Mike Wang. 
And if there are any diehard Clippers fans who were fans since the 2000s, you may not know Mike Wang personally, but you probably heard his song on YouTube, Baron Davis, It's Time to Come Home. Or also, if you're like a Korean-American who went to youth group during 2003 to 2008, you probably know Mike Wang as well and the Nehemiah Band. I think Isaac Lee from The Ringer probably knows you, Mike, and probably looks up to you because I know he leads worship at Hillsong. Anyways. Wait, who's Isaac Lee at The Ringer? He's like the producer for uh, Kevin O'Connor's show. What the heck? Yeah, man, he's this Korean dude who... uh, who leads worship or does music for Hillsong right now, Hillsong LA. So I, I'm pretty sure that he listened to the Nehemiah band growing up. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, you got to get us connected. This uh, charismatic Christianity and basketball <laughs> connection is getting a little too, uh, too real. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure people listening are like, what happened to this episode? Um, but anyways, back to the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what? Do, wait, changed. before we go any further, yeah. describe to me uh, your your like your prototypical listening base. Uh, it's Lakers fans. I mean, they they usually appreciate when we go into deep dives and whatnot. Yeah. But tonight's show is a little bit different because we are bringing in someone from the outside. But Mike, I briefly mentioned your your hit single, your fifteen literally fifteen minutes of fame on YouTube, Baron Davis. It's time to come home. Can you really quickly, before we get into like the Clippers, Lakers talk and just the rosters that they've assembled, I'm going to ask you to channel your former Baron Davis dropping dimes, M. Wang minus the train persona. And mm. uh, <laughs> just let me know what were you what were you thinking at the time when you what compelled you to create this song posted on YouTube? I think at the time you were maybe 25 25 or so and then just your reaction to it blowing up i think you created the song before baron davis actually even signed with the clippers back in 2008 or 2009 but bring me into that headspace when you created that song watched it blow up and uh you became part of the clippers zeitgeist for uh for a hot minute yeah geez that's so long ago i actually have it pulled up on my computer right now uh, i can't <laughs> believe if you look this up on youtube i'm just filming like in the like the den of my parents' little condo. And for whatever reason, I guess this is something Asian people do. We have like a mattress that's standing up in the back. <laughs> and I remember getting a lot of comments, like nothing related to the song or the Clippers or Baron Davis, but a lot of the comments that I got was, how do you sleep standing up? That's really what I remember most about uh, that video is, this was my first time putting anything on the internet. And, you know, like at that time, really all of my music was like in the church setting or context, like the music I was writing was very evangelical Christian. Uh, And then I just put this song up for fun. And uh, this is the thing that like potentially, and I got really nervous about this, was going to like define me. Like the Asian singer songwriter that writes songs about the NBA. And I actually, I think that weekend I was like, oh man, this is great. I'm going to write two more songs. And I put them up. And then like, as those started to get traction, man, I, um, I got really nervous, dude. Like I didn't want to be known as the YouTube singer songwriter for the NBA. I don't know why. Now I kind of wish I would have gone through with it. I could have a whole like discography of like songs written for every NBA player or something, but uh, no, it was definitely a surprise that anybody cared about what I put on the internet. 
And when it, I, I think this was like 2008, so YouTube was not like as crazy as it is today. Mm -hmm. Where uh, I guess it got put on the front page of YouTube like later that evening. And like I had strangers in Arcadia like stopping me and asking me if I was the guy that <laughs> sang that song <laughs> on YouTube. Anyways, um, I didn't even answer your question. You was like, where's my headspace? Well, I guess we can move past what compelled you, but what was it like having that blow up? And I think you were on the news, right? Oh my God. They showed right. your video KTLA on the news. KTLA like showed it on, on the news that night or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I, um... Here's, here's a better question. You wrote and performed this song before Baron Davis actually signed with the Clippers, right? Right. And then I think at the time you were working for the Clippers as well, or you had just resigned. All I know is I remember before the age of Twitter and sources that you actually got tipped off to Baron Davis signing with the Clippers from one of your former coworkers or one of your coworkers at the time. Do you remember that? I think this is a classic instance of misinformation being lost in time and space because I didn't work for the Clippers until two or three years after this song came out. Oh, okay. And so I actually tried to keep this a secret when I was working for the Clippers and then I got outed when someone Googled me and they were like, what the heck? <laughs> uh, but no, I didn't have any insider information. I just was a big fan of Baron Davis. He had just come off of that great stint with the Warriors and I heard through, you know, like the one beat writer for the Clippers at the time, like that there was a chance that he could uh, sign with the Clippers. And I got so excited. I just spontaneously wrote this song. <laughs> so stupid. Ah. I'm looking at the lyrics. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to record it and put it on YouTube. Because I think I had just discovered YouTube at the same time. And anyways, I, Baron Davis actually reached out to me. Him and his people reached out to me mm -hmm. afterwards. But, um, you know, I didn't really follow up with that. I was probably too busy just like going to prayer meetings or something in my charismatic days. <laughs> uh, well, well, that song and that video was, was definitely before its time. I think to this day, it has 250,000 views. I mean, people are getting 250,000 views in two days at this rate on YouTube in this day and age. But, you know, given inflation, your video probably should be like a 3 million viewed type of video uh, <laughs> today. You know, I didn't monetize any of it. So uh, whatever. No, it's all good. But all that to say that in a very specific place in time, Mike Wang was part of the Clippers zeitgeist and was one of their, uh, or yeah, was almost like a cult figure with this song. And I think to this day, you can read people's comments on this video. You can catch it on YouTube, Baron Davis, It's Time to Come Home, under the YouTube moniker M-W-H-A-N-G minus the train. So check that out. And actually, let's listen to a little clip of it right now. You gotta be the swagger that removes the clippers of all of our fourth quarter fear. And if you come, I promise you, man, I'll do my best. Do my best to grow a Baron Davis beard. And I saw that documentary on Reebok.com with you on your roller skates. If you come to Los Angeles, I'll pretend I never saw anything that day. But seriously, you and Elton Brand could be that one-two punch nobody wants to see. And just imagine what came in on the other post. Mobile Pulling up a three and Eric Gordon taking notes Baron Davis dropping dimes to Chris came in 2009 at Staples Center Gonna be so amazing You did your time at the Bay Now pick up that phone Talk to Elgin Baron It's time to come 
This is so bad. I talk about Chris Kamen's ADD. Like, this is really bad. No, I that is that is amazing, dude. <laughs> um, by the way, did that Clippers team ever actually make the playoffs with Baron Davis? They made it once, maybe? I don't... I must be a bad Clipper fan. I don't think Baron Davis was enough to take take any of his teams to the playoffs. Damn, that's rough. Your your song was the highlight of the Baron Davis era, apparently. Oh, no, no. The highlight of the Baron Davis era was throwing a basketball out of the sunroof of a Kia for Blake Griffin to dunk <laughs> on. And then I think uh, Baron Davis got traded right afterward. Like, that was literally <laughs> his last assist for the LA Clippers was from the front seat of a four-door Kia. That Much is love amazing. to Baron Davis, man. That guy is a legend. He is. I, I saw him at the Drew League this summer, actually, just as part of the audience. Um, wow. I also saw I also saw Montrezl Harrell. Anyways, Mike, with all that out of the way, and now that we have proven to people that you are, um, <laughs> I don't even know what to call you, <laughs> that you were once that that you were a, a born and bred Clippers fan, and that you have a place in Clippers lore along with Clipper Daryl. Let's get into it. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Ivica Zubats. <laughs> first reaction. <laughs> first reaction to the Clippers offseason. Your reaction to not only getting Kawhi Leonard but getting Paul George as well. How did you feel about the chase against the Lakers and Raptors? And did you think you guys even had a shot? But yeah, first and foremost, what was your guttural reaction to all of a sudden getting Kawhi Leonard and then also finding out that Paul George is coming with him? Yeah, it, it, you know, it was kind of epic uh, because I think the day before and the day of, there were like two literal earthquakes in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually in LA for the first one. You know, it was like my first time back in LA in about a year. And I was like, this is the reason why we're never moving back. But then I didn't know there was some greater earthquakes happening in the landscape of the National Basketball Association because mm-hmm. nobody knew what was happening uh, with Paul George. So everyone knew, you know, we we're all like checking Twitter every two minutes to see where Kawhi was going to sign. And I don't think anybody really knew because of the way, and I love this about Kawhi Leonard, the way that he's just kind of uh, does his own thing and He's not on social media or anything, so nobody really knew where he was going, but then nobody knew about Paul George. So I, I think I got a text message from my friend. It's funny, whenever like something happens with the Clippers, people feel compelled to text me. People I haven't talked to in years, uh, they'll text me. <laughs> and so my phone actually, uh, I, I don't want to say it blew up. I got like three text messages saying, yo, Kawhi, exclamation marks or whatever. Yo, bro, as an adult, that's blowing up. That is blowing up when you're a pastor in the city of Houston for the United Methodist Church. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I, I, I had to do a double take. Like, I think most everybody in that's an NBA fan did a double take because no one saw the uh, Paul George signing coming. So. Were you, did you think that the Clippers actually had a shot at getting Kawhi? What was your sort of level of confidence? Were you just like cherry on top if yeah, it happens? Yeah, yeah, and- you know, um... I think there was an article on ESPN by Kevin Arnovitz where he described like the Clippers pitch to Kawhi Leonard as like we we're a serious basketball team that's about winning. It's not about the drama or the glitz and glamour of Hollywood and that more lines up with Kawhi and his values. The front office is serious and all about winning. And so uh, after reading that article, um, I felt like, I mean, I always thought Clippers had a chance just because Kawhi's from 
the Southern California area. Uh, mm -hmm. But that article was like, oh yeah, Kawhi and the Clippers are kind of like, you know, the Clippers are what Kawhi is as an organization, if you will. So just mm -hmm. that whole seriousness about the game and not being about, you know, the, the fame or the glitz or the glamour. And I think, you know, like Kawhi had just come off of a championship. So like there was like no reason for him. There's nothing left for him to prove, you know. And so like to, to join up with LeBron and AD, that would have been like, I just didn't see Kawhi making a move like that. Mm -hmm. What did you think of last year's iteration of the Clippers? You know, they were sort of scrappy, counted oh, out, yeah. kind of embodied. They kind of embodied previous iterations of Clippers teams, I feel like, or I guess embodied who the Clippers identity yeah. is kind of. Obviously, there's a huge shift this time around. And are you okay with that shift? Because all that scrappiness kind of goes right out the window this year with all of the expectations heaped upon Kawhi and the team. Because you guys are now title favorites. How does that sort of sit with you? Well, first of all, last year's team was like, gosh, I, d I don't know what your thoughts were about that team, but it was hard not to love them, you know, because I don't know what their the projection was at the start of the season last year, but uh, I know it wasn't to uh, take the Warriors to a game six. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the way that, you know, there's no all-stars on that team the scrappiness of it. It was really like the opposite of Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan complaining to the refs or Chris Paul mm -hmm. flopping, you know, to get calls. They, they, they were just hard-nosed. Uh, Montrez in the post running the pick and roll with Lou uh, and Patrick Beverly just getting in Katie's face even though he totally killed us. Uh, it, was just, it was just a fun team to root for. And I think this year... Uh, because so much of that team is still intact, although you know we we lost uh, Gilgis Alexander, um, I think that scrappiness and that culture that uh, Doc and those guys created last year, uh, I think that's still going to be there. And if anything, Paul George and Kawhi, because they're so gritty on the defensive end, I think they just take that scrappiness to the next level. So yeah, they are title favorites, but not because of Flash, right? Like you don't think of Flash when you think of Kawhi Leonard. Uh, mm -hmm. You think just hard-nosed basketball. And so I think uh, Clipper fans are excited, man. How dare you besmirch the great name of Danilo Gallinari. That's right, and, I um, forgot about Gallinari. <laughs> and present Laker Avery Bradley, who I know a lot of Clippers fans hate. Um, but follow-up question to that. And I guess shifting things over to the Lakers end of the spectrum because they were directly affected by Kawhi choosing the Clippers. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the Lakers offseason and how things ended up colliding in a way where the Clippers gain was a Lakers loss and um, kind of directly affected how they planned out the rest of their summer? Obviously, before all this, the, the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that or even any thoughts on the Lakers' young core that they were building, but uh, were, were you worried at all? I, I know you just mentioned that you didn't think that Kawhi was going to make that sort of move, but uh, but yeah, I guess what were your thoughts on from the Lakers' end of the spectrum? Well, just in general, uh, this free agency was like, I think the greatest stretch of excitement in NBA history because there mm -hmm. were no games being played, but literally <laughs> like every two minutes, I was looking at my phone to see who was signing where. Uh, and it just kind of it feels like it feels like I'm watching scripted reality TV 
or like I'm watching uh, like the WWE. Like I'm convinced Vince McMahon and Adam Silver are like in <laughs> partnership because it was so so intriguing what was happening this summer. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, even though it would have, you didn't anticipate Kawhi. You wouldn't think Kawhi would sign with the Lakers. Anything is possible, right? And so everyone was. I was certainly uh, anxious. But I thought I thought the Lakers uh, trading for Anthony Davis was huge, and um, I guess who else could they have signed? I know you, you settled for Danny Green, and uh, like that conglomerate of second tier, mm-hmm. third tier players. But who like if you guys would have passed on Kawhi, like who would you have gone after? Who else was out there? I mean, again? I don't remember it, now. Is like D'Angelo Russell, but we, we would have had to pay him his full max and we wouldn't have right, had very much right. left to, you know, spend. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could say if we really wanted Kemba Walker and we had made him our main target from the start, we could have been like, oh, we're going to forgo Kawhi and just put a full court press on Kemba. Yeah. But that's also all of your money as well. Right. So it was down to Kawhi and then it was dropping to D'Lo and Kemba, right? Right. Personally, for me, we kind of had to do the Kawhi thing. We had to take yeah. that risk. And given the fact that we had Danny Green wait for us, because I think if Danny Green had remained a free agent, yeah, or you know, at the beginning of free agency, Danny Green was still probably one of the top 10, 15 free agents on the market regardless. Right. Yeah. So the fact that he waited till the very end, I think, was beneficial for us. Yeah. Um, obviously, we were counting on DeMarcus Cousins to give us something this year, and we were hoping for that, I, that uh, bounce back so, sort of year. So, so that's a bummer. But you got Dwight Howard on like a non-guaranteed. <laughs> we're not paying you anything unless you actually play basketball contract. Yep. And Re- Redemption 39. We're all about redemption, aren't we, Mike Wang? So <laughs> Yeah. There's some theological reference there for sure. But yeah, I'm going to be watching the Dwight Howard storyline for uh this year. I think that's really intriguing. Yeah, I agree. Quick question before we get into like the Battle of LA talk, but having been a Clippers fan as long as you have, and we talked about this before we started recording, but how do you view this next generation, this next gen iteration of the Clippers featuring two of the top two wings in the league and one who just recently won finals MVP? Can you compare it to any other Clippers era? Any weird analogies you'd like to throw our way as to how you felt when you heard this compilation of the Clippers? You know, like as as even though they are considered title favorites by a lot of of uh, analysts or whatever, like I see this, like it, it's they're just a scrappy team, dude. Like they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like you, you, the, you know, like every Clipper fan has to, especially in Los Angeles, has to have some sort of like contrarian spirit. In them, like they sure. gotta be like the underdog, or they gotta be different than the norm. And I think because of the high emphasis on defense that this team has, and just the scrappy nature of the team, really top to bottom, you still kind of feel like they're the underdog. Also, given the fact that they've never won uh, a Western Conference Finals, have they even made it to the Western Conference Finals? No. No, right? So, like, uh, except when Daniel Ewing didn't close out on Raja Bell fast enough. They were really close <laughs> in 2006. But, yeah, because of just the awful history uh, that we've all been reminded by with the new 30, 30 by 30 or 30 for 30. Right. 
I think because of the history of the Clippers, like it, it still feels like an underdog team, right? And like this is the year where we see if the Clipper curse is finally lifted. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that's my take on it. How about you? No, man? That, that, that's no, that's 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 interesting. Even though you guys got the Finals MVP, and then I think Paul George was like a top defensive player last year yeah. I think probably was in contention for MVP as well like in nice. the regular season even though you got these two players you still have that sort of underdog mentality which which I guess lends itself to I guess the history of this franchise and and that's the ethos of every Clipper fan yeah you're always right. the underdog yeah right what were your thoughts on the Lob City <laughs> Lob City era? You kind of mentioned it to me before we started recording that yeah, yeah, yeah. you weren't a huge fan of how it ended up turning out by by the end of that era but obviously nothing's a guarantee but what's the difference between having Kawhi Leonard and Paul George now or I guess Kawhi Leonard in his prime now Mm -hmm. versus having Chris Paul Blake Blake Griffin DeAndre Jordan and maybe even JJ Redick in their prime then is it the recency bias of Kawhi winning a championship by himself or like and carrying a team by himself last year that makes it the difference for you this time around in terms of I'm sure some would argue that that team kind of stacks up the same way as, as this one, you know, even though they didn't have like these premier wings, you guys had Chris Paul in his prime. You guys had Blake Griffin in his prime. Yeah. And that was a, that was a fun era. And it was also uncharted territory. And it was just so fun to see Blake on the sports center highlights, like literally every single night jumping over people and whatnot. But uh, you know, the, the way that that, era ended I think really uh, revealed a lot of what many of us were thinking like when you think about the Lob City era yeah there's alley-oops and there's the point god in his prime but you also think about just like for me that era is marked by uh, players complaining to the refs like I remember Mm. uh, going to those games or watching them on TV and just seeing Blake just always like complaining to the refs like you like I see it right now like his hands and his face you know like just complaining like pretty much every call right and uh and like the way that 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 one series against OKC where like they had it in the bag but uh CP was like trying to like for whatever reason trying to draw a three-point foul from like beyond half court and I think Westbrook steals the Mm -hmm. ball and comes back like like that, 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 like even like the the moniker Lob City, like there's this unnecessary flash about that mm-hmm. era, that um, you know, like I guess some people kind of embrace that whatever as a fan. There's there's nothing wrong about being flashy. Like if you ask me about how I play my game when I'm on the court, of course I don't play as much anymore. But I used to be all flash, no substance. You know, just get the oohs and ahs, <laughs> but never score the basket. Like that's fun too. Um, but it's not like that with this new team. It seems like they're like serious and about winning. You know, I wouldn't go as far as to say there's a Mamba mentality to this Clipper squad, but there is a kind of like you know killer instinct that I see. Like whenever Patrick Beverly's out there, like he's trying to kill somebody, you know. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the difference. Uh, okay. I think Lob City was more fun and more flashy. Uh, but now I don't know. What do you call this era? The Kawhi era? The L.A. Way era. Inglewood Clippers. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what you call this era, but uh, yeah, I think they're they just they're just trying to win ball games. Sure. Do you feel like the Lob City era sort of sold out in a way? What do you mean? You know, you know what I mean. Where it's like 
the Clippers had this sort of uh, gritty, scrappy identity to themselves. And then as they became good, I think it's just natural that when you get a guy like Chris Paul, things are going to change. But do you feel like even the branding, they kind of sold out? It's like it's like in the music industry, right? Let's say Run River North. <laughs> I, I don't even know what analogy I'm going to make up right now. But, you know, like the the band that the local hometown loves loves and then all of a sudden they make it big and they kind of turn into something that they weren't initially. Do you feel that way about Lob City? Well, first of all, I just want to give a big shout out to Run River North. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Because um, they're killing it and doing, making good music. And uh, yeah. And they deserve to sell out if they can get <laughs> that opportunity. Yeah, I think there's a Denzel Washington movie where at the end he, he's like, he just he's, he says, he, he wishes he could say to his kid that's dying that one day it's okay to sell out a little bit. Mm. Not a whole lot, but a little bit. Anyways, I don't know why we're talking about Denzel Washington and Run Over North, uh, but I, you know, the, I, I don't know the, that that CP3 era, it, it it had its place. Like it needed, it it brought a legitimacy to the franchise that was never there. Uh, as much as I loved uh, Elton Brand and Sam Cassell, who, in my opinion, is the greatest Clipper of all time. Uh, mm. There was a legitimacy that CP3 brought that uh, the franchise had never had, but it didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh, you know, and Blake and DeAndre were so young, uh, and they uh -huh. were, you know, probably just feeling out what it means to be in the league. Sure. And, uh, yeah, in the end, I guess the, the Chris Paul documentary says there was a bad culture or bad vibe in there. Mm. And, uh, you know, whenever you got a guy that, like, after, after a basketball game goes to the other team's locker room through a secret passageway to start a fight, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's the kind of NBA team you want to root for. Sure, sure. All right, with that said, Mike Wang, let's talk about it. Lakers, Clippers. All right, with that said, Mike Wang, let's talk about it. Lakers, Clippers. Who has the better duo, Paul George and Kawhi or LeBron? and Anthony Davis. Do you have any comps for these two duos? Um, for me, LeBron and AD are like maybe Magic and Kareem. PG and Kawhi, people have called Jordan and Pippen-ish, but I don't know if you have any for yourself, any comps for yourself. Uh, but the overall question, what do you think of these two duos and how do they match up against each other? I think as long as LeBron comes back healthy, that's that's the best duo in the league. Mm. I, I think think we forget how dominant uh anthony davis and just what a like a unicorn he is being his size being able to handle the ball and uh being as athletic as he is so i would say it's it's not by a wide margin but i think lebron's overall playmaking ability and just his killer instinct and his ability to make his teammates better uh make mm -hmm. him and anthony davis uh the better duo but as far, as far as comps go, gosh, it's it's hard to compare LeBron to anybody. I like your magic comparison, but I feel like LeBron's just so huge, you know, so big. And same with Anthony Davis. They're like two unicorn, like once-in-a-generation type of players. So. Mm -hmm. What about for Kawhi and uh, PG? Yeah, I like the Jordan Pippen, although that's probably not warranted at this point. Uh, I was going to say... It feels more like two Scottie Pippins more than ah, like Jordan yeah, yeah. and a Scottie Pippin. Because uh, they both play the same position, play hard-nosed ball on the defensive end. They both have a good shot. 
Uh, so, but, but we'll see, man. Um, I, I know PG had a really hard time with his shoulder in the playoffs last year. So we'll see how well he recovers from that. And then, you know, even though he won finals MVP and he, like, basically uh, carried the Raptors to the championship, you have to factor in that there were a lot of injuries on the other side for the Warriors. And also, uh, dude, his quad was, like, killing him. Like, I feel like he was playing off of one leg during some of those games. So I'm not fully sold on how healthy both Kawhi and PG-13 are. Uh, I hope they, you know, fully recover. But if they do come back healthy, um, I would say the Clippers are still the better team uh, because of the continuity and the coaching staff and just top-down. The culture of the team seems to be in a better place than the Lakers. Sure, that's a good segue um, into how do you think the Clippers match up with the Lakers and vice versa? I guess, on a general sense, what do you think the, the Clippers' strengths are right now? Uh, I think the strength is the continuity, right? Bringing back so much of last year's squad. And I, you know, I don't know how old Lou Williams is now, but that guy was unstoppable last year, dude. Mm-hmm. His pick and roll game with uh, Montrez, especially... Going up against second units, um, that's a the, so the depth and the continuity of the Clippers, and then just to have Patrick Beverly, Paul George, and Kawhi on the defensive end, that's just like there's no switch, you know, on the wings mm-hmm. that you know there's no weakness there. So definitely uh, defense, continuity, and depth, I would say, are the major okay. strengths of the Clippers. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, What about weaknesses? And I can go ahead and say that I think for the Clippers, especially as it pertains to a direct matchup against the Lakers, you guys are a little thin in the front court. Yeah. Um, And also, I'm not sure where necessarily your primary playmaking comes from, even though you have several guys who can handle the ball and, you know, average around four to five assists or so. There's not one guy, I'd say, who can play make like a LeBron can um, or even a Rondo can so those are those would be my two weaknesses for the Clippers but I don't know if you had any others or if you wanted to expound on those two things yeah I think that's spot on man um, Patrick Beverly's not like a true point um, although he's the size of a point guard I don't see him as like pick and roll playmaking starting point guard but I would say Lou Will uh, has great court vision although he's a shoot first and he's probably considered a two guard. Uh, but I think that he's probably the primary playmaker. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end, of, if he's the one that's bringing the ball up towards the end of games uh, for mm-hmm. the Clippers. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. The, the, it's really small or it's really uh, weak on the, on the front court. But thank you for gifting us with Zubak uh, last year. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, no problem. Um, so I, I mentioned this to my co-host Tommy in our segment one, but I actually feel like as w- w- with regards to the Clippers and Lakers matching up, some of the Lakers' weaknesses actually mute the Clippers' strengths, if that makes sense, because the Clippers, you guys are high on perimeter defenders, right? The Lakers don't have very many primary ball handlers or creators. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's one of our weaknesses outside of LeBron. So it kind of lessens and dampens the Clippers' strength because Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, you typically stick them on guys like Damian Lillard or Steph Curry, James Harden, right? Yeah. The Lakers actually don't have any of those guys. So 
who's Patrick Beverly going to guard on the Lakers? He's going to be guarding likely a three and D sort of guy. He's going to have to hone yeah. in on Danny Green or Avery Bradley. These guys who don't typically dribble the ball or pound the rock a lot. So in in a way, I feel like almost the Lakers' weaknesses it dampens the Clippers' perimeter defense. Does that make sense? Like obviously Paul George and Kawhi Leonard will make life harder for LeBron James, but it's not like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard are going to stop Anthony Davis. Um, if anything, they're going to have to keep track of, like I mentioned, Danny Green, KCP, any of the perimeter shooters that the Lakers have. And and none of, the, none of those guys are really going to take them off the dribble, you know? Yeah, the Lakers are really big. I think you can put out some lineups that counteract Patrick Beverly. Although, you know, he's he could guard anybody. Uh, but you're right. Uh, there's the, the size. Like, no one's going to be able to guard Anthony Davis. LeBron James is LeBron James. And then you guys have like, as as uh, as ridiculous as this sounds, uh, Javale McGee and Dwight Howard are, yep. you know, not the best centers in the league per se, but you know they they they're still relatively athletic, are able to uh, play above the rim. Somewhat, I don't know about Dwight. And yeah, because the Clippers don't have anybody that can really match up just from a height standpoint, except for maybe Zubak, whose athleticism, I don't know, is, you know, not not the best. I agree with your assessment there. But I, I, I do think overall, just that pick and roll game on the Clippers side, mm-hmm. and uh, just having so many solid players on the wing, on mm-hmm. both ends, and just that, that consistency, um, I think that's what what's going to edge out the Clippers over the Lakers. But we'll yeah, see, I mean, man. I mean, championships these days are, are usually won on the backs of wing players, right? Or yeah. They have been historically. I think because I, I mentioned the Lakers' weakness is not having a lot of primary scorers or creators, um, that's where the Clippers excel. You guys got Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Lou Will who can all get their shot even if there is no playbook, you know? Right. And that's something the Lakers lack. They pretty much have LeBron James, and you can also give it to Anthony Davis, but he's not going to be dribbling the ball up on the perimeter unless he somehow turns into Giannis this year, which isn't out of the question, but he is a very big guy. Um, well, don't you guys have the Greek Freak's brother? <laughs> we do. We, we have Kostas. Um but I feel like that's where the Lakers can get into trouble with regards to we also don't have anybody who can guard Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I think in a seven-game series, LeBron James will probably step up and handle one of those guys. Um, but we definitely don't have enough guys who can guard both of your wings. Maybe Danny Green can make life a little bit hard for one of them, but it's been shown that he ha- he's actually a better defender against two guards. I actually think that the Lakers' biggest worry on the other end is Lou Williams because he is such a dynamic scoring guard. Yeah. Who and he was on the he was on the Lakers, so we know this. He gets guys into trouble because he can just he has a knack for drawing fouls, you know. And and typically I'd say, oh, we'll stick Avery Bradley on him, but Avery Bradley is the type of guy, and you can probably lend some insight into this. But he's the type of guy who mans up on his defender a lot. Yeah. And he likes to get physical, and I feel like Lou will will know how to take advantage of that. <laughs> so. Uh. Um, so Lou will actually gives me the most worry when it comes to having to guard, you know, yeah, some of your best primary scorers, even though obviously Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are, are a given. But um, any thoughts on like the, the any other strengths or weaknesses between both teams and how they match up? I think I think the Lakers major X factor is Kyle Kuzma. I think mm-hmm. he's got such a high potential and we'll see what kind of a leap he makes this next year. 
but you know he's a dynamic player that can you know shoot the rock at a decent clip and plays above the rim can get you boards and just can be that hustle glue guy and more mm-hmm. uh which i think would round out the lakers roster really well um yeah. and you know what man i'm rooting for dwight howard this year bro i want to <laughs> see him like slowly work his way back and be a contributor right off the bat and then by the end of the season like who knows maybe we see orlando dwight howard come back that would be my uh that would be my prayer for dwight howard <laughs> i mean dude dude life, life is poetry right i mean the, the last time the lakers were in the playoffs dwight howard was a Laker. Yeah. And the next time right. they make the playoffs, he will likely be a Laker if everything pans out correctly. Yeah, we'll and see. The the last seven years, the journey he's been on, if somehow out of all of this, he wins a championship as a Laker, I mean <laughs> that's a that's an amazing story. I don't know if it's amazing for some people, but that's that's just crazy to think about. Um but no, I agree with you with regards to Kyle Kuzma. I like that Kyle Kuzma I mean Kyle Kuzma's one of the guys that, you know, you could probably stick uh, Paul George or Kawhi on and uh, could probably mitigate whatever effectiveness he has. But luckily for him, he's a guy who can operate off ball and doesn't really need the ball to. He, he doesn't dribble the ball a lot, is what I'm trying to say. He gets his points off cuts. You know, hopefully right. his three point shot has rounded into form. Um, but yeah, he, he's definitely one of the X factors for the Lakers with regards to our size and our bigs. Even though we lost Demarcus Cousins, I just found out that Dwight Howard actually has a seven foot five wingspan. Uh, JaVale McGee has a seven foot six wingspan and Anthony Davis has a seven foot six wingspan as well. So we have yeah, a front that's a lot court of length. Of, that's a lot of length, exactly. So hopefully Frank Vogel knows how to mesh those guys well together and stagger accordingly. Yeah, that's also a, probably a big uh, 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 point of difference between the Lakers and the Clippers that gives the Clippers the advantage is the coaching staff. Yeah, I'd agree. And then, you know, we have to we haven't talked about the mind games of Teron Liu signing with the LA Clippers <laughs> instead of with the Lakers who refused to give him uh, the money that he deserves. You know what my take is on Ty Liu in the front office? What's your hot take? It's not even a hot take. I feel like Ty Liu played himself a little bit because it's not like, look, Ty Liu won a championship, is a really good offensive sort of coach, but, I, but it's not like he's Greg Popovich. And I actually respect the fact that the Lakers had standards and stipulations that they wanted all of their candidates to adhere to and Ty Lue said no I want more money and I want more years and the Lakers were like look the job is for three years when LeBron James tenure ends here if everything pans out the way we want it to pan out we'll probably re-up you before that third year even expires and you know the plans we have for this franchise so just take the deal and Ty Lue didn't want to you know he, he thought he was above that which you know that's his that's his prerogative. That's his right. I, yeah, that, I'm not saying anything about coach. that. Yeah. But but I feel like I actually respect the fact that the Lakers are like, hey, these are the standards and stipulations. Maybe the salary differs based on the candidate. But sure. I, we're going to keep it at three years, take it or leave it. And he chose to walk out the door. And so they pivoted, you know. And again, it's not like he's Greg Popovich. And Ty Lue <laughs> ended up walking to become an assistant coach for the Clippers instead of becoming a head coach for the Lakers for the next three years, which you know was going to be extended if he just did a solid job. And Anthony Davis came walking in the door shortly after. So for me, it's almost like, uh, I don't know, Ty Lue kind of played himself and now he's an assistant coach. Sure, I feel that. But I also respect Ty Lue for having standards on his end 
No, and I know. That, there yeah, was no sure. guarantee that Anthony Davis was coming on. And, you know, when you are a, you know, granted, he, uh, he took over halfway through that season when he won the championship, when they beat the 72-win Warriors, 73-win Warriors. Yeah, I see your perspective, but, uh, you know, you got to respect Ty for knowing what he's worth and, uh, you know, sticking to his guns when he felt disrespected. But, yeah, would you rather be the head coach of the Lakers uh, than an assistant for Doc Rivers? You probably want the Lakers gig, but would you rather have Ty Lue than Frank Vogel? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm willing to give Frank the benefit of the doubt with his time off um, since his last stint with Orlando. It seems like he's updated some of his offensive schemes and principles. We'll see. He's like took time off in his sabbatical from coaching and he saw the ways that the NBA changed and yeah. how outdated his principles were, which was something Ooh. that he said himself. And so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he actually spent the last year and a half learning ways in which he can improve himself as a coach so yeah um but yeah with, with that said respect to Ty Lue for knowing his worth I respect the Lakers for just being a normal organization and saying sure look sure, these sure. are the stipulations this is what we want our employers to take and they moved on they cast a wide net I mean three of the coaches that they that they interviewed for their head coaching position are now assistant coaches as well so right now it seems like they're trying to do head coach by committee we'll see how that works out that could end up biting them in the butt in terms of there's maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. Sure. But again, we'll see. Um, so we'll close this out soon. But I just wanted to get your thoughts really quick on um, Avery Bradley because he, <laughs> he he is a Laker now. And I know his stint with the Clippers last year didn't go so well. Um, it went a little better when he got traded to the Memphis Grizzlies, but there was nothing to play for, yada, yada. But what are your thoughts on Avery Bradley? Did he look hurt to you? I know Doc Rivers gave him a lot of leash, and that's probably why a lot of Clippers fans did not like him. Um, he got sort of that seniority complex, or he was allowed to remain in the starting lineup and get more minutes than he probably deserved. But what are your thoughts on Avery Bradley's stint with the Clippers, and do you think he can rebound for the Lakers this year? I think he underperformed for the Clippers. Like He was supposed to be the 3 and D guy, and uh, I guess he just never shot it at as well a clip as everyone anticipated he would. Um, I think he did better when he uh, was playing for the Celtics, and I don't know how well he played for the Grizzlies. Um, I think as long as he can shoot the ball uh, consistently, you know, like 38% and higher, uh, that's a great pickup for the Lakers, and with LeBron and AD, he should get a lot of open looks. Right. But I think he's great on the defensive end. I think he's a hard-nosed player and a mm -hmm. smart player. So I'm high on Avery Bradley, but he didn't do so well for the Clippers. That's fair. Um, last two questions for you. You know, the Clippers had to give up a lot for Paul George, obviously. It was a trade for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, essentially. Mm -hmm. The Lakers also had to give up a lot for Anthony Davis. Yeah. Um, between the two, who do you think gave up more for the super team that they currently constructed? Or in your eyes, it's just like both teams did what they had to get done, and now it's, you know, sure. they can go pound for pound against each other. Well, I think uh, the Clippers being able to get both Kawhi and Paul George uh, is a testament to Jerry West, uh, able to think way out in advance. But also, I think it's an assist from one of the greatest Clippers of all time in Elton Brand, who... 
uh, took a gamble on Tobias Harris and gave up those picks that ended up uh, becoming mm. the assets that the Thunder were willing to trade Paul George for. So right. I think, um, gosh, I don't even. I, I I just know both teams are like depleted with draft picks for like the next uh, generation yes. of NBA players. <laughs> But I think it's worth it, right? It's so hard to get a top 10 player, let alone, or top 15 player. I don't know where you rank Paul George. Uh, but it's so hard to get, you know, those superstars, let alone to get multiple on your team. So I think it's worth the gamble. I, I think when you look at all that both teams gave up, it looks like the Clippers actually gave up more than the Lakers did. Like both were unprecedented, right? Yep. But this is going to be the most exciting year for basketball in Los Angeles. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, did, who cares about the next generation of players when you got <laughs> Kawhi and LeBron? There's not going to be Eric Gordon taking notes lines from you anytime soon. No. Um, although, although Landry Shamit's a pretty good um, dude. What approximation, a pickup, dude. Of Eric Gordon. What a pickup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was so fun to watch. Just a pure shooter, and it's really interesting that. Uh, the Clippers refused to add him in that package to uh, to the Thunder. So I think that speaks highly of uh, the Clippers' view on Landry. Oh, dude, we didn't even talk about Mo Harkless as a defender. You guys have a lot of wings. I mean, Mo Harkless may inevitably turn into Andre Iguodala, but I don't know. We'll see if that happens. Um, another wing defender for you guys. That's right. Um, lastly, my last question for you is kind of more intangible and something right up your alley um <laughs> what, what sorry that i didn't i didn't mean that as a backhanded compliment but you yourself said that you're just a dad and a pastor at this point at the end of the day what do you think about this quote-unquote rivalry between the clippers and lakers is it even a thing you went to usc like i did when it comes to football no matter how good of a roster ucla constructed on that end for any one season it didn't matter right la was a UC, usc football dominated town so in, in some senses, I feel like that's the Lakers. Lakers are USC football to the Clippers UCLA football. And then on the other end of the spectrum, same goes for UCLA basketball, right? No matter what star prospect we had as, as USC, whether it was OJ Mayo or DeMar DeRozan or Nick Young and Taj Gibson, LA college basketball was still always going to be UCLA's domain, right? So in that sense, Lakers equals UCLA basketball, Clippers equals USC Trojan basketball, vice versa. What do you think about those comparisons? And then the overall question of what do you think about this rivalry between the Clippers and the Lakers? Well, first of all, you didn't, you forgot Brian Scalabrini as the greatest USC basketball player of all time. (laughs) I did. My bad. And also the analogy falls short because apparently USC was cheating all those years on both sides, (laughs) football and basketball with OJ Mayo and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert. So we we don't have to include that into the comparison, right? But yeah, you're right. Like uh, LA has always been a Lakers town, right? I think even during the Lob City era when the Lakers were awful and starting like Ryan Kelly one of those years. Yeah, Ryan Kelly, who follows who follows Run River North, by the way. What'd you say? Who follows Run River North. Ryan, Ryan Kelly, Kelly does? Wow. Run. I, I yeah. only know him because he's a dookie and I follow all dookies oh, right. in the NBA. So Quinn Cook is my favorite uh, Laker uh, nice. this next season. Anyways, um, I think... LA has always been a Laker town and probably always will be, you know, unless the Clippers win. How many Laker championships banners? 16 going on 17. Until the Clippers are able to string together that kind of history. 
Uh, I think LA will always be a Laker town, but I think Clipper fans kind of like that. And I really Mm -hmm. loved what Kawhi and uh, Paul George said in their press conference. They're like, we're not trying to win the Battle of LA. Uh, We're Mm. just trying to win basketball games. And, you know, I I think that that uh, I love that 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 vibe, that ethos of like, we're just we're not trying to be impressive at just the level of. Los Angeles, we're trying to win basketball games, but I know every Clipper fan loves it when uh, the Clippers beat the Lakers. Like I think those Kobe years when Clippers, when the Clippers had a better squad than the year when you guys pretty much gave like seventy five percent of your total salary to salary cap to uh, Kobe. Like those years <laughs> when, like D'Angelo, uh, who was on that on those on on the last years of Kobe's contract. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Julius Randle. Yeah, and then and then the Clippers had Lob City, right? Like, yep. Yeah, I think every Clipper fan got a kick out of beating the Lakers, but I don't know that the Lakers ever got a kick out of beating the Clippers, like ever, right? Because it was a given for most of the the franchise history, and even when the Clippers were better for a few years, I, I would imagine Laker fans were like, "Well, look at." the history and tradition of our franchise versus yours. Yeah, I think ambivalent would be the word that Lakers fans have typically had towards the Clippers franchise, mainly because we both teams have never been good or relatively good at the same time. The last time we were closest to this was probably 2006, 2007. That was the best year, man. When Kobe... Yeah, when we both got whooped by the Suns, yeah. Kobe was hitting those game winners. Yep. We lost in Game 7. I think you guys lost in Game 6 or 7 as well to, to Steve Nash. Yeah, Daniel Ewing didn't close out on Raja Belfast. That was <laughs> the second time I brought that up in this uh, interview. Sounds like the title to your Clippers podcast, Daniel Ewing didn't Daniel close Ewing, out fast. <laughs> another Dukey who's a great basketball player at Duke. But yeah, you're right. They've never been really good at the same time. And we've never seen uh, that hallway series with the Lakers and the Clippers in an NBA playoff. So... But now we will. Yeah, it's uh, this is this. If anything, this is the start of any kind of rivalry, right. in my opinion, because right, they were always on different tiers in the NBA. Yeah. Now, for the first time, they're both like championship contenders, which is still weird for me to say that about the Clippers. No, I mean objectively, Los Angeles right now has four of the top ten NBA players in the league, maybe in the world. I mean, it's it's nuts to think about, but that's where we're at. Mike, thanks for hopping on. Hashtag LA, your guys' way. Uh, Appreciate you. (laughs) What was that, dude? Dude, that's your guys' slogan, man. It's not our slogan. It's not something I gave you. Talk to the marketing director of the Clippers Clippers. right now, man. I don't don't like it, but it's hashtag LA our way. I mean... (laughs) I don't know if you if you prefer that over Lob City. I personally don't. They're both pretty bad, but uh, because hashtag LA our way still references the Lakers in it. Do you know what I'm saying? What do you mean? Because it's like LA our way indirectly still says we're doing things our way as opposed to the Lakers way. Or do you not jive with that? That that's how I always took it. It's like it's still indirectly referencing that they're trying to separate themselves from yeah the other Los Angeles team. Yeah, I'm going to have to take that to prayer and really process uh, what <laughs> L.A. Our Way means. Uh. <laughs> or come up with a better hashtag, man. Come up with a, with a new song. Can we expect a new Clippers song for this next generation, Mike? You know, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to say hold your breath. 
So uh, we'll have to wait and see, my friend. But thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This was a lot more fun than I expected. Not that I expected it to not be fun, but I didn't expect so much time to pass just by offering (laughs) amateur commentary on the National Basketball Association. Takes you back to those times when we'd battle it out on 2K, right? Yeah, back in those days, following the NBA meant just like you get two articles a week about the Clippers on the LA Times. <laughs> now there's just like so much content to keep up with. And like I'm even, I guess, through this podcast, contributing to the plethora of people offering their analysis. Yeah, it was simpler times back then. Good times, man. Good times, man. All right, Mike Wang, thank you for hopping on. It's been fun. A lot of time has passed, but some things still stay the same, I guess. Um, I don't don't know. (laughs) Or as I said for the Lakers, the more things change, the more things stay insane. That was my phrase for the Lakers as Dwight Howard came back to the Lakers. Uh, But anyways, looking forward to the season. Uh, Maybe we'll have you on again after a Clippers-Lakers game or maybe when, when we meet each other in the playoffs. Who knows? By the time this podcast is up and I've published this, you guys will probably have traded for or sign Andre Iguodala, rendering all of this conversation pretty much useless, but <laughs> hoping that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, thanks for hopping on. And uh, do you have anything to plug? What's there to plug? Go go check out my YouTube channel, M-Wing Minus the Train. I <laughs> uh, haven't posted a video since 2008, but uh, go check me out on there. Um, I guess what I'm doing out here in Houston is I've planted a new uh, church community uh, that we meet all over the Houston area in homes. And then on Sundays, we gather near the Spring Branch and Memorial area. We're called Oikon, O-I-K-O-N-H-T-X is the Insta handle. Uh, But I'm just a dad, dude. I'm just just like a suburban dog-owning dad of a two-year-old with a beautiful wife just trying to i don't know man just 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 trying to stay alive man having a toddler (laughs) dude don't get me rambling about being a dad dude it's it's beautiful and terrifying and uh a lot of times you just feel like you don't know what the hell you're doing uh jayhan and lakers nation (laughs) This feels ridiculous, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on, Jehan. You can follow uh, my church plant at Oikon HTX, O-I-K-O-N-H-T-X on Instagram. Otherwise, I'm just a lifelong Clipper fan that happens to... Uh, dude, why is this so hard, Jehan? This is too right, hard, no, man. Trust me. Right. I, I do a lot of editing. Okay, I'm going to do one, more, one last one last, yeah, yeah. One last take. All right. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, once again, this is M-Wing minus the train of 2008 YouTube fame. And I'll see you guys later. If you want. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, no, that was perfect. Mike, thanks for hopping on. You're just a dad, but you're a dad who had a special place in Clippers fans' heart at one point or another. And now you have a special place in the Lakers Legacy podcast, uh, plethora of episodes and uh if you're a lakers fan who some for some reason lives out in houston go check out what's the church mike it's called oikon o-i-k-o-n-h-t-x is the instagram handle oikon yes. h-t-x go check out oikon and 
chop it up with Mike about Clippers, Lakers, et cetera, et cetera, and carry forth the conversation that we had tonight. Uh, with that said, Mike, thanks for hopping on, and we will catch you guys, catch you next time. Happy editing. <laughs> <laughs> Los Angeles, there's no place like home. Yeah, Los Angeles, there's no place like home. No place like home. Home, home. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.